All right, hello and welcome back to the Longball Football Podcast, a weekly podcast by two brothers about all things football. In Portugal, you're listening to myself, Albert, and as always, I'm joined by my brother Barney. How are you doing, Barney? How's things? Yeah, good man. I'm um, I'm back on the floor again. Still on the floor. <laughs> Still got this. You can you see the the baby books behind me on the bookshelves? Well, if well, I was doing well, it, well, the listeners can't, but I can. Yeah. Yeah. If, if I was doing it with someone important, I would have changed it. You know, made it look like it was a proper like <laughs> <laughs> put a few football books up. You know, yeah, yeah. marketing and all that. Not the very hungry caterpillar. <laughs> no, not the very hungry caterpillar. <laughs> but yeah, I'm good, man. How are you? Very good, man. I've been playing a lot of football. You know, I joined the football team. I'm in a five-a-side league now. Oh, are you? Is that what you're doing Monday nights? That's what I'm doing. Monday nights for training. Wednesday nights for playing. Hey. Um, I had our first game last week. So our team's called Better Later Than Never because we're all from East London. Um, Leighton is a town in East London for any of our international listeners. Uh, and we played against a team called Air Force One. Pretty generic name, didn't know what to expect other than the fact that they beat their last team 9-2. So we turn up, you know, game's at 8.30, I'm there at 10 past 8. Uh, I'm stretching, I'm warming up, uh, I'm jogging. Uh, the boys get there about 20 past 8, we're doing a couple of passing drills, one-touch passing, uh, practicing the finishing, it's all great. 25 past 8, no sign of the other team. Half past 8, when the game's about to kick off, still no sign of the other team. About 8.35, five minutes after about to start, one person turns up. Uh, oh, in a man. pair of uh, in a pair of flip flops, and then by about eight forty, they had four players. Uh, bear in mind we had eight, so five starters, three subs. So the the ref said, "Right, we're going to start with four. We're all standing there thinking we've got a chance here, boys. You know, this is a chance. Get a few goals <laughs> early till the till the rest of them turn up." Straight from kickoff, uh, one of their players nicks the ball off off one of my mates, dribbles past the whole team, absolutely buries an amazing finish. Uh, so that kind of really set the tone. <laughs> <laughs> we lost the game. We lost the game. I think in the end, I think it was only about 7-3. So it could have been worse, but just one of the nights. You know when someone turns up with that classic football jacket and they've got their initials in yeah, those white yeah. letters, Scary you know they're going to be good. You know they're going to be good. <laughs> So yeah, another game Wednesday night. Hope for a little bit of uh, better luck then. So you're gonna miss the Champions League then? Well, hopefully we're gonna watch it in the in the pub afterwards because the game's oh, at cool. seven thirty tomorrow. So should have a bit of time to to watch the game afterwards. Of course, Champions League happening tonight, Barney. We recorded on Tuesday night, uh, seven thirty at the moment. Half an hour until Porto kick off against Liverpool. Sporting in action against Dortmund and Benfica will be playing Barcelona tomorrow night. Again, just on a quick one in advance, as we always say, uh, we won't be covering those games on this show, obviously, as we're recording before they happen. So, yeah, we just want to say good luck to all those teams. And we hope that when you guys are listening to this show, uh, it's with some very positive results in Europe under the team's belts. Well, look, before we do anything, Barney, before we get into the show this week, I don't think you're expecting this, but we've got a very special milestone to, uh, to talk about. The fact that this time last week, the 22nd of September, we celebrated exactly one year to the day hey. uh, since our first ever podcast episode. And it just happened to be the first uh, ever episode where we were featured on the Portugal website. So I feel like that's a really nice yeah. uh, milestone for exactly one year to be on the Portugal website. I think we won't get too soppy, but just a moment of reflection to say thank you so much to everyone over the last year who supported us and helped us to get where we are. I say it every week, Barney. I feel like I say it every week. But every week, the response to the show just gets better and better. Uh, And we're absolutely delighted with how it's going. Thank you to anyone who's listening, anyone who's listened in the last few weeks, anyone who's joined us this season. And of course, a special thank you to all those who were with us from the early days, back when me and Barney were definitely not doing anywhere near the kind of show that we're doing now. (laughs) 
<laughs> I mean, if anybody wants to laugh, go back and listen to our first show. If you want to hear two guys um, incredibly <laughs> self-conscious about their voices. <laughs> it is a really bizarre experience. I would say, don't do that. Don't go and listen to it. Please don't. <laughs> Please don't do that. No, no. Look, we were, we're delighted. And again, just a massive thank you to everyone who's tuned in every week. Uh, you give us a reason to do this and, and we absolutely love doing it. So thank you very much for that. Well, look, let's get into the show properly, Bonnie. Let's not waste any more time. And you may think that the transfer window is long gone, but... We've got a little bit of transfer news to deal with before we start talking about any games of the week with Douglas Tank and Fabio Martins both securing moves off to the Middle East. Let's talk about Douglas Tank first, Barney. He left Brussels to Ferreira to sign for Saudi Arabian side Korfa Khan after four seasons, 110 games, 38 goals. And incredibly, those 38 goals made him Brussels to Ferreira's all-time record goalscorer. Now, if anybody wants to fact-check us, please do. But I have heard this from a couple of sources now. It's quite incredible that uh, Douglas Tank is managed to be the top scorer of all time for a club with only 38 goals. Uh, bearing in mind, there are some strikers who managed those in just one season. Now, of course, Douglas Tank, not a player to be sniffed at. He scored nine goals the year passers were promoted to the Premier League. He scored nine goals last year when the club qualified for Europe with the Europa Conference League. So I think it's fair to say that He's made not just a lasting impression on the club and its fans, but also uh, a lasting impression on us over the years we've been watching Portuguese football. Yeah, I think he's um, he's the original uh, long ball football heartthrob, isn't he? Like, I think he is. when we start getting into Portuguese football, like he, he stood out. I don't know what it is. There's something about him, isn't there? When you watch him play, you just you know. Did he have Mizuno boots as well? Number ninety nine. <laughs> it was just like ah, oh, it was. Um, and I thought he's your I kind of player, really, Barney. Oh, absolutely, a big striker. Yeah. I think he was decent. I think um, he's obviously this season with the arrival of the um, arrival of Danielson. He, he's probably realised I'm not I'm not the main man anymore. Um, João Pedro coming through as well. He a young striker. Um, but yeah, I'm sad to see him go. I think um, the second bottom in the um, in the league at the moment. So he's 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 going to a team struggling. But there's no doubt he'll score goals. I mean, you mentioned his goal tally: um, 38 goals in 110 appearances. It's almost an identical goals to game ratio that uh, Moussa Morega had at his time as Porto. So that puts a little perspective on it. It might not look amazing on paper, but it's it's certainly good enough for this league. Well, depending on who you speak to, Barney, comparing him to Moussa Morega might not necessarily be a compliment. <laughs> but no, 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 definitely. He's, he's, he's achieved some great things in Portugal, especially with a relatively small club in Pasta Ferreira. Uh, and it was a nice quote from George Samal, his current manager, who said, I have to pay public tribute to the legacy that he left at this club uh, as the player with the most goals. But yeah, as you say, I think he didn't start the season in the first team. Denilson Jr. was starting ahead of him. And uh, yeah, I don't think they'll necessarily miss him too much with the players that they've got at their disposal up front. But yeah, just a player that we wanted to uh, pay homage to as someone who who caught our hearts a little bit uh, in the last couple of seasons. And of course, Fabio Martins as well, Barney. Now he joins Alwada in the United Arab Emirates for a fee of about €3 million. Euros. Um, and I have to say, for me, this is a bit of a shame to see him go. Uh, after a very good start to the season, I thought. But when you think about it, I suppose €3 million Euros is a very useful cash injection for Braga. And I think the fact that they've still got players like Ricardo Horta, uh, Lucas Piazon, Luri Medeiros, uh, Galeno as well, who you know has just signed a new deal to 2026. You know, The fact that they've got those kind of players in similar positions shows that they have got decent squad depth in, in those areas. Yeah, and they were perhaps hoping to... I mean, he obviously had his loan um, out there last season and would have impressed a few people. I, I, I was like you, I was very impressed with him at the beginning of the season, but I, I did notice a few Braga fans not, you know, not as impressed. Um, 
So perhaps, you know, he's not the biggest loss. And like you say, they've got a really good depth in that Braga squad. So um, he's not going to be that missed. Um, I just, Albert, does the United Emirates have a transfer deadline? Or is it just like, you know, they <laughs> sign anyone whenever? We thought Turkey was on MSS extending yeah. their deadline a week after everyone else. It looks like the Middle East have swept in and yeah, nicked another couple of players off us. But it has been interesting to see a number of players moving out to similar parts of the world from Portugal. And I think, um, you know, obviously Carlos Junior went out there. That was the biggest one during the transfer mm. window. Um, so, you know, I think obviously areas like that are, are places where not necessarily household names in, in kind of world football, but more players in kind of the Premier League level can go out and get a decent payday if they uh, perform to a decent high standard. And I'm sure all of those players will be moving for uh, for more than what they're on at, at their Portuguese clubs. Yeah, I know we've talked about this a few times now about how this whole dynamic of the Portuguese market is changing in terms of different countries and different clubs coming in for players. And it just sort of reminded me again, like, you know, uh, Fabio Martins had a fantastic loan season at Famacau, didn't he? And, mm. you know, had a great success there. The fact that they were perhaps not able to tempt him back in any way, and uh, and he's gone over to you know where he was playing, he was scoring goals, you know, having a really fruitful time there, and you know United Arabs have just come in and just um, pinched him up. So it, it's it's a really interesting dynamic that's ever changing, isn't it? And uh, certainly something to keep an eye on. Definitely, well, two players lead the league, two players that we enjoyed watching, but of course we wish them all the best on the future, and who knows, we may see them back uh, on Portuguese shores one day soon. All right, well, let's get into this week's Primera Liga fixtures and start at the very top of the table with Benfica versus Vitoria de Guimaraes. And it's another week and another win for Benfica. That's seven wins from seven. I believe, Barney, they are unbeaten in all competitions this season. Obviously, just a reminder that we're recording ahead of their game against Barcelona, so that could still change. But Vittoria didn't stand in the way of Benfica extending that perfect start. Two goals from Juremchuk, one of which I still have no idea how Moomin managed to let it go in. But we'll come on to that. And a third goal from João Mario. It was another excellent performance, Barney, from the league's current best team. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, everybody's waxed lyrical about them. We've we've talked about them a lot recently. The only question I had in terms of this team is, do you think this is Benfica's strongest eleven? Because for me, I, I, I think it is. And I think the players come in Lazaro... I think he seemed a little bit more consistent than Gilberto in terms of his passing and sort of keeping possession. And Jorge Jesus clearly wants to have dominate possession at the moment this season. I mean, you look at their possession stats, it's, you know, they're getting close to averaging 70% per game. And I think Darwin and um, Uremshik and, you know, Rafa, I think it just all works well. So yeah, Lazaro is the interesting one. I think we need to see him a bit more. I think obviously Gonzalez is there to come back from his injury, but I think Lazaro's pedigree, you know, he's got the international football experience. He's been at some big clubs. I think that might tip it and him be the person in that spot. Yeah, it's an interesting point because for me, you know, I do agree it's a very strong eleven. I think there are only two positions up for grabs for me. That is right wing back and left wing for me to deal with the right wing back first. I haven't seen enough of Lazaro to really make a call on him, but I would still be loyal to Gonzalez, who I think... You know, came in as a, as a youth player looking for a place in that squad, probably more traditionally a winger, and made that right wing back sport his own. And, you know, he would be the player that I, I would love to see uh, playing for Benfica more often. But of course, like I said, I haven't really seen enough of Lazaro to make it to form an opinion of him yet. Seems decent from what we've seen of him. And like you say, he's got good 
decent pedigree. So, uh, but more importantly, uh, they've now got good depth in that area because, like you, I don't think Gilberto was really good enough to be playing in that right wing back spot that George Jesus really wanted. Now, left wing is the other one, Barney, because obviously we talk so much about Darwin, who who played on that left wing in this game. Uh, and he scored a couple of goals last week, looks to be back in good form. No goals for him this week, but still another decent performance. My only issue is that Darwin is not a left winger. You know, he, he's a striker playing on the left wing. So I don't think that's ideal, uh, even though he can do a perfectly good job. What would be ideal would be Everton, uh, actually playing at the level that we expect him to play on that left wing. That's a position perfect for him. You know, that's where he wants to play, but he's never really done well enough uh, to secure that left wing spot. So that would be the ideal solution for me. But as things stand, still an incredibly strong 11. You know, that defence is looking so good. Jan Vertonghen had a fantastic game. I thought Verissimo, Edwards had him on toast a couple of times, but he's looked decent. Uh, in other games, Otamendi looks like a beast. That midfield looks much stronger. Yes, they they look really good all over the pitch, and 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 very few weak spots in that in that team now. A big surprise considering last year when we thought they had a number of holes in the squad. Yeah, and I think um, Jao Mario Ramsey coming in this taking the sort of perhaps the the limelight off players who are coming under criticism from fans like us, and they've taken the limelight. They're putting in solid performances and it just sort of, I feel like it just gives the rest of the team that little bit of lift. Uh, but the thing I wrote down is, I know the guys on the Portugal corner said they're going to win every game this season. And I, I, <laughs> I wrote, I, I can't see them losing. They've got no tough games until they play Braga, the 11th game of the season in November. But I think we've got to be real. They're going to beat them at the, the current state of both teams, aren't they? And then the next game that they could fe- like feasibly drop points for me is Sporting in December, the f- um, in December, and that's like the thirteenth game of the season. I I really can see them going that length, winning every game. Like this was on paper, this is the toughest game for any of the big three had this this weekend gone, and they just you know it was so comfortable for them. I mean, I get what you're saying, but I feel like there's still no point getting that carried away just yet. I mean, let's not forget. They won the first five games of last season and looked absolutely unstoppable. And then things unraveled pretty quickly. Obviously, seven wins in a row is better. And I do think they look stronger. So I don't expect quite the same uh, downturn in, in form that they experienced last year. Um, also, let's not forget, Barney, Champions League coming up. Uh, that could start getting in the way. So we could start to see a congestion in fixtures, which could confuse things. You know, they haven't really had any serious injuries so far this season. So there's still lots of things that could test that squad. But I definitely agree they're they're looking very strong. Uh, and I think, you know, at this point, you have to say they're looking like favourites to take the title home. But let's not get carried away, man. Seven games gone, only seven. There's still a long way to go and, and still plenty that could change. Let's talk about Pretoria, Barney, because we spoke a lot about them last week, obviously trying to work out where their issues lie. I think this week it seems much clearer and simpler. The defence is just very poor. Attack and midfield are OK. You know, nothing to write home about, but not necessarily a disaster. Uh, whereas for me, the defence is just far too weak for a team really with top five ambitions. And, and that back four, I can't really see them getting anywhere near close to the top five with, with, with that back four. It's, it's the centre-backs, isn't it? It's, to, to be blunt, I think Sacco's a, a, a good enough right back. I think I've been really impressed with Suarez since he's come back into this team, having been alone last season. Oh, there's just so many so many mistakes. And I, I've, when it's individual mistakes, you can't put much blame on Pepper. But I thought Brevkovic got caught out of place and uh, Moon seems to be playing everyone on side all the time and then that's it there's just no there's no other options I mean Amarab was given a, a chance last season the youth player but you know he's 19 he's not going to sort it out is he it's it's mm. it's a real pickle that Pepper's in and I, I, and unfortunately I, I don't see any answers that he'll be able to produce yeah I think I had a little bit of hope that with Berevkovic coming back 
Uh, they were looking a little bit stronger, but it, it never really happened. And I thought Moving had a particularly poor game. Uh, I thought he was at fault for for that second year amateur goal. And, you know, the whole back four really, I, although I agree, like you, I thought Suarez, the left back, had a decent game. And I don't mind Saka at right back. I just think he's quite inconsistent and, you know, he is prone to a mistake. So there's just holes in that defence which, which need to be plugged. And, you know, they've got a long way to go until the next transfer window. Uh, so, you know, we could see issues for a little while going forward. I think Trammell as well, the goalkeeper, really impressed at the beginning of the season. Um, some fantastic performances. And then, you know, the last two games, he's looked a little sloppy, uh, uh, but he, he's young and, and that's going to happen. I was expecting this game to see, not a masterclass from Pepper, but to see him do something to try and stop this Benfica team from having having so much joy. I mean, the back three had so much time in the ball. Obviously, Vertonghen got that assist, assist from just having ages in the ball and be able to play it upfield. I feel that, that that's surely the way to hassle Benfica, pressure them, give, give them as little time in the ball as possible because they're way too comfortable just passing along that back line. Well, I think the best success that Vittoria had in this game was through Marcus Edwards, who I mentioned earlier, who got quite a lot of joy going head-to-head with Verissimo, who was on his side. Uh, and beating, you know, going one on one with him and trying to beat him because we've talked about how good that uh, Benfica defense is. But one thing they don't have those three centre backs is a lot of pace. So, you know, if you try and trouble them that way, that's probably the best way you're going to get any joy. Obviously, Ricardo Koreshma, the man's got a lot of beautiful talents. One of them at 38 years of age uh, is not pace. So he wasn't that useful. And I don't think it was a real surprise that when Machinia came on, he won the penalty by doing exactly what I just said. Marcus Edwards doing by trying to beat his man going one-on-one and they got a bit of joy that way so yeah I feel like there were things they could have done differently but ultimately I think on balance you look at that game and you think it's a team very very fairly beaten and you know they got their consolation goal through the penalty that made it 3-1 and I think that was probably the most they could have asked for from the game really I do think that's an interesting point Albert, because you know obviously huge fan of Charisma uh, incredible player but I feel like he demands a place in the team he's obviously demanding that right wing as well which Ed, we know Edwards his favourite position and as we're seeing Edwards starting to show his um, coming into a real bit of form you know it seems a shame that he's having to occupy that left hand side maybe get a little chance when they swap in the game and players like Rashinio, they've got Ruben Lemirez as well these are fantastic players players who unlike Charisma have a bit of zip have a you know, they can have a burst of pace which can cause trouble to two defenders like Frismo, Vertonghen, Otamendi. And so if Pepe's uh, not brave enough, but, you know, how he deals with the situation and if, if if he does start to give the other players a bit more of a chance. I don't want to give the wrong impression because I do think Charisma still has an awful lot to offer. And I think the two main things he has to offer is that he's by far the best deliverer of the ball. In that team. So he puts the best balls in the box. And when you're playing a striker like Oscar Estupinan, that's vital because, you know, he's not getting goals by dribbling around four players and and dinking the ball over the keeper. He's getting goals by, you know, getting in the box, getting on the end of crosses. So I think that is vital. And also he's the best dead ball specialist in that squad. So there are still things that he offers. I just wonder whether maybe there's a different way that you could utilise him. And, you know, and this is where I start to kind of get a bit cautious because I'm not a football tactician. You know, I'm not a coach. I I don't really have the answers from a kind of te- technical perspective but I would I would like to see Vittoria playing with Rochinha and Edwards on the wings I would like to see those two players starting because I thought they're both the two players in that squad who are capable of causing defenders problems you mentioned a stupid as well I impressed me this game I, I haven't seen him work so hard you know I thought he was trying to press Benfica but then you know he didn't have the players following him like Edwards or, or Charisma like uh, when he when he made his first move but um 
it's not all doom and gloom is out because like you say the midfield the attack some really beautiful passages are played from Victoria but yeah it's just the defence man it's just so 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 poor big big issues there that don't look like being sorted anytime soon definitely one to keep an eye on well look, let's move on Barney uh, and let's talk about Porto who beat Gil Vicente 2-1 at the weekend and it was a very different story from their 5-0 drubbing on Morrowinds the weekend before it took an absolutely phenomenal 88th minute free kick from Sergio Oliveira to grab the winner against the Gil Vicente side who I thought were very resilient let's not make any mistakes Barney there were two proper goals in this game one from Mediterranean from just inside his own heart and that 88th minute free kick from Sergio Oliveira. Two finishes of the highest quality. Ah, oh, beautiful goals. I think Taremi is just, uh, I said it last week, another sign of how much quality and, and raw skill this guy has. It reminded me of Rooney Albert because, you know, mm. he's scoring from his own half and then you think of that bicycle kick in the Champions League, similar to Rooney <laughs> as well, but not players you would think have that, you know, that, that technical ability. And then, yeah, Sergio Oliveira. The ball was just so flat, wasn't it? The way it travelled, there was very little up and down. He just hit it and it was, you know, Ryan Stanchion. It was... I, I did write down, like, yeah, Vettini and Fabio Vera are good, but can they take free kicks like that? <laughs> <laughs> it is interesting, though, because obviously there's been a lot of talk about Sergio Oliveira not really being in the team, not really playing at the level that we saw last season. Definitely felt like a bit of a moment for him to say, you see that Quanta Sal? There you go, mate. That's what I'm capable of if you, if you stick me back in this team. And look, it's interesting because the way that goal went in and the way they grabbed that last win at winner, it's kind of you would get the impression that this was a, a kind of tight game where, where Porto struggled to maybe break down the opposition. I don't think that was the case, though, because to be fair to them, they did create a number of goal-scoring opportunities throughout the game. Uh, obviously, that first goal from Terrain was an outrageous finish, but I think if you're being fair, he had much easier chances throughout the game to score, which, which he didn't take. And that would have really made the scoreline a little bit more comfortable for Porto. But yeah, look, no complaints from me at all uh, about Porto or Terrain's performance. Another really strong showing. And I'm thinking about Taremi Barney. The goals he scored, the, the performances he's put in, the technique he showed. Do we have to start thinking of him now as one of the league's top players alongside the likes of Pedro Gonzalez, for example? Yeah, I wouldn't disagree with that. I think he's um, he's, uh, he's absolutely phenomenal. I think he hasn't got age on his side. And, and you know, so he's he's probably not going to be rumoured with big moves to big clubs at any point. And, and perhaps that sort of takes the, the gloss off him. But if he keeps going the way he does, you know, I, I really rate this guy. Um, I think if he has a if another good showing the Champions League as well, you know, um, I, I just, I love this story. I just, I, I, one of my favourite players in this league. Uh, but I just wanted to go back to Sergio Oliveira, sorry, quickly. Because um, I do, I do think it's an interesting situation. Like, yeah, you mentioned that he got this winner in a game where Porto was struggling to get goals. This happened several times last season, you know, and he he he, he won a few games for them. He was he was arguably the, the, the most important player, right? Of course, the Champions League against Juventus being a great example of that. Exactly. And and then suddenly, he's right down the pecking order. And I would assume the talks of a move away in the summer came from Porto's need to sell rather than himself pushing for a move. You know, he, he basically just got in, into this Porto team, you know, having been there for so long. And then you have Conscious Al's comments a few weeks ago saying quite brunt, bluntly in the press conference that the reason he's not in the team is simply because Vettini is a better player. And this Vettini hadn't played for Porto this season at that point when he was making these comments. I mean, do you think we'll see him more in the Champions League? Because I just, I really hope he gets back into this team. I think he's such a good player. 
Yeah, I think it would be a complete waste if they let things like what went on during the summer transfer window get in the way of playing someone who, who is clearly a talented player. And he was involved in so many iconic moments of last season for Porto that he has to be involved for me. Yeah, and I think another player obviously is um, Corona, you know, getting a game at right back, which which is, you know, he obviously doesn't want to be playing there rather than playing right midfield, I think. And it didn't look much better than Jao Mario, to be honest, uh, right back. So I'll be interested to see if he gets back in the team. I thought... Diaz as well. He had a quiet game, but that's, of course that's going to happen at some point this season. I'm glad Contrasel stuck to his guns, went with the same t- team from last week, and uh, it was a, it was a good performance. And they yeah they did deserve the win. Joel Vicente very quickly, Barney. Obviously battled pretty hard throughout the game. I thought worked hard to earn themselves uh, a goal back, and it was of course that man again, Samuelino with the goal, scoring the rebound after his penalty was initially saved. Interesting to hear. The comments from Ricardo Suarez after the game, quote from him saying, I don't think FC Porto were superior to us. But I'm not sure I can really agree with him there, especially when you look at the stats. Uh, Gilles Vicente had eight shots compared to Porto's 16. It's exactly half. Four shots on target compared to Porto's eight. 15 actions in the opposition box compared to Porto's 39. 76% pass accuracy compared to Porto's 87. And of course, only 37% possession in the game. So as much as I respect the fact that they they battled hard and I think they kept players like Luis Diaz quiet, well beaten on the day for me. Oh, I've got two things there. I want, first of all, I want to go about Samuelino because I obviously love him. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> you know, it was maybe, might have been lucky the rebound, but that takes him to three goals in the season. We're certainly not the only fans of his at the moment. But what, hmm. what I think is interesting with him is that I think you can you can't really look at the stats to gauge how good he is or what he's got. If you know what I mean, I think he's, he's nothing special. He's got like um his three goals have come from an xG of two point three four. He doesn't have a huge amount of shots per game. He doesn't have a huge amount of completed dribbles. But it's when you watch him, Albert, isn't it? There's there's a there's a little spark there. I've said before. I think he's incredibly clever by taking shots on slightly earlier than you might expect. Um, he's very good at moving the defender just to one side so he can find his gap and. Uh, I think we need to not forget as well, he's been played as a wide forward in this position rather than an out-and-out striker. So, I, I, yeah, I really, really like the guy. On Rafa Suarez, Albert, because, sorry, Ricardo Suarez, I, I really like this team he's put together and I think he does deserve a lot of credit because they're in a strong position and he's put it together with, with scraps, I feel. And I don't mean that to be rude, but, you know, Pedrino in midfield had been playing in Latvia before he came in in January. Fran Navarro's from Valencia's B team. Um, Ruggiero from Relegated Friends, who, who's been fantastic. And, you know, he's certainly brought out the best of him. And then you have Fujimoto. I think it's been an inspired decision taking him as a, from a wing and putting him in midfield. And these are all really good things. I mean, the goalkeeper, Ziga Frele, is a 23-year-old Russian guy from an unknown team. He's got the <laughs> second, most, second most saves per game in the league at the moment. And it's gelling together really well. And, and when you see these names, you'd have no idea that the team are as strong as they are. We said they were one to watch. We said yeah, it yeah. at the beginning of the season. One to watch. And yeah, I think they've been they've been pretty decent this season. And I do like, I do like what they're building. Plenty of talent in that squad. Uh, and as you say, a couple of star players who are definitely worth keeping an eye on, especially Fujimoto and Samuelino for me. And I did want to quickly shout out the two guys on loan from Braga in uh, Z Carlos to right back. He, he was fantastic in this game. Like you said, kept the quiet. And and Lucas Kuna in centre-back, who was imperious in the air. I think he matched like 15 clearances, which has surely got to be some sort of record for 15 clearances in one game. But um, yeah, good, an, another two pair of uh, excellent signings from uh, Ricardo Suarez. Definitely plenty to keep an eye on, so keep an eye out for Vicente the next time you're picking a game to watch in the Premier League. Let's do the last of the big three bodies. Talk about Sporting's 1-0 victory uh, over Maritimo. And it was another dramatic late penalty for them. Pedro Poro scoring in the 98th minute 
of the game, not too dissimilar from the penalty which earned them a 1-0 win against Estoril last week. Of course, I think that was around the hour mark, so there was still plenty of time left in that one. Um, now, what do you make of the game, Barney? Because, look, Sporting's recent form in the league, I just mentioned that game where they kind of scraped past Estoril 1-0, and they've not been as dominant as they were last season. They've not been blowing teams away in the same way they have done last season. Some people online suggesting that perhaps these late winners that they've been getting are kind of papering over the cracks a little bit, perhaps of a team struggling to perform. Well, I suppose perhaps the other way you could look at it is that, you know, maybe they're just unlucky not to be getting the goals that they deserve. And, and you look, take a game like this, for example, as a game where they had seven shots on target in the game. They had 72% possession in the game. So it's hard to really describe the performance as anything other than dominant. And yeah, I think that's right. I think, um, you know, last season, there was plenty of similar performances, similar results throughout the season. But simply the fact that they were leading, it, it didn't feel as negative as we were seeing. But the fact that now they take their four points behind Benfica, that's where it starts to turn and that you, you, you feel a bit more negative towards it. I thought they looked great. I think um, I wanted to talk about Nuno Santos, Albert. I think um, the difference between him and Pedro Gonzalez is that he would have had, Pedro Gonzalez would have got two or three goals in this game, wouldn't he? But Nuno Santos, you know, six shots, three on target, just couldn't put the ball away. And he, he deserved a hatchet and he had some really great chances. Yeah, I think I totally agree with you, mate. I think, you know, I'm not convinced yet that there's any real need to panic uh, when it comes to sporting at the moment. You know, some of the results haven't been ideal, especially when you kind of take into account the disappointing start they had to the Champions League. But as I alluded to a second ago, you know, the stats uh, are, are still very much in their favour in this game, Barney. Seven shots on target, nine shots off target, 72% position. They limited Maritimo down to 28% possession with zero shots on target and zero corners. So it was a very dominant performance but it does raise the question about Pedro Gonzalez and you know I do think that there is an argument to say that not having him in the team is is one of the major reasons that they're not scoring the goals that they need you know he is the talisman of that team he's obviously not available at the moment and they think where do the goals come from when he's not on the pitch and you know we've both been relatively supportive of Pelino throughout his time at Sporting and you know early last season at Braga but is it time to start being harsher on him Barney because you know you, you do expect more from a striker who came with a pretty hefty price tag. Only one goal and one assist this season. You know, there's not really any two ways about it that this guy should be on the score sheet more often, especially when Sporting's main goal scoring threat is, is not available. I, I, I'm beginning to come around to the way of thinking that I, it looks quite evident that Amarin is asking Paulinho to do more within a game rather than just trying to get onto balls and just put the ball in the back. And I think he's being asked to do a bit more to bring in players like Sarabia, Nuno Santos. And I think when Pedro Gonzalez is back as well, he's very similar to Nuno Santos and they're very good at getting into attacking positions, getting in behind the defensive line and being high at the pitch at the right time. And I think to touch on Nuno Santos a little bit more, sorry, is that with his runs in this game, he likes to come inside a lot. And what I felt that this highlighted was Ruben Vinagre's lack of mobility sounds quite hard, but I feel like with Mendes, he had such good pace, such good energy, and he was always seemed to be that option when when Nuno Santos was coming inside. But Vinagre seems a little bit more hesitant, perhaps doesn't have that instinct to to know when to go, know when to attack. And and that's sort of slowing the momentum of this sporting team down at some points. You know, Pedro Porro is very, very good at that getting getting forward, but it looks like Vinagre's not as at the moment and he's he's got a little bit more to show for me. Yeah, I think, you know, Vinagre is struggling and maybe that's just a confidence thing. I'm not sure what he was told when he signed, maybe expected that this season he'd be sharing uh, the burden with Nuno Mendes. Obviously, now he is the main left wing back and, and the responsibility is on him to perform. Maybe it's just a confidence issue, but he did look very good in some of the early games he played. So I'm confident that he can 
he can get that level back up to, to where to where we hope it will be. But look, you know, we're talking about a lot of issues that Sporting have got here. But like I said, I don't think there's any disaster at the moment. Four points behind the lead is not ideal. But as I keep saying, only seven games gone. There's plenty of time left. And there's still plenty to be positive about when it comes to Sporting. They're still dominating games. Uh, and they're still controlling games against teams that they should be controlling. What did you think of the the penalty hour? Did you think it it was one? I mean, I mean, Paolo Victor gave away the penalty um, in goal from Rito. It, it definitely was a penalty, and it was a shame because I th- I did think he was um he was pretty decent before um before then. You know, he, he did put out a few good saves. I think one against Paulinho um, sticks out. Despite them being under the cosh for the majority of the game, I think we have to give them some credit in a way for the the way they did frustrate Sporting. And you know, Julio Velasquez uh, certainly put out the right team for me. I think he went with a bit more experience and, um, and defensive quality with um, Fabio China at left wing back rather than Vita Costa, who who's impressed me, but is much more of an attacking wing back. And then the Argentine Rossi. Uh, coming for Diego Mendes alongside Pelagio was a was a bit more of a robust midfield. So I think you know he was smart with that. And then finally, I just wanted to highlight Leo Andrade at the back for them. He was a 23 year old Brazilian left footed centre back. Got promoted from Marito's under 23 squad last season. Out in this game, he had the most tackles, most clearances, and Marito obviously struggled so much to keep the ball in this game. You know, a, a terrible overall pass accuracy with just 63 percent, mainly due to them were hitting tons of long balls but Andrade <laughs> had the third highest pass accuracy from Rito and perhaps mo- most importantly the majority of his long balls were accurate so this guy can pass too I think it was a, a good performance for him and a, perhaps a shining light in a in a struggling Marito team there you go a good little roundup of Marito there from Barney and for anyone who's not familiar with the show you will find us on this podcast as champions of Marito in general. I know they're not a very popular team, but me and Barney have got a little soft spot for them. I'm a big fan. They got the best kit. They got the best kit. I'm a big fan of their manager. Uh, and they have got some good players, even if they have been branded with this anti-Jogo uh, label <laughs> a few times, probably justified as well. Well, let's do another game, Barney. Let's talk about Braga. They played Santa Clara and drew 1-1 uh, in a game which Braga did pretty much the opposite of what I expected, really. Defended well, but created very little. And I think that defensive stability was really down to one man. Of course, on loan Porto centre-back, Diego Late, his best performance in a Braga shirt by far, I think, after you know a string of positive performances where he's kind of grown into each game as they've gone on. Uh, and I think it's just so great for him now to be playing regular football, uh, building his confidence under a manager who clearly believes in him, something he just never had at Porto under Sergio Contessao. I really rate the player. And I think um, what, what could be interesting this season with him at Braga is... You know, this could almost be um, their opportunity to woo him, to try and entice him to come because, you know, if he, if he knows he's going to start there, if he knows he's going to be the main man of that back line, it, it could be really tempting. And, and it, you know, like you said, this game, they I would do anything to get to sign him. I thought he was absolutely brilliant and gone. Well, the one thing I will say, Barney, is that I feel like the deal that, that Braga have done here with Porto could be a kind of poison chalice, really, because they've got him on a loan. I believe the option to purchase him is 12 million euros. I think that would be... I believe, a club record fee for Braga and not the type of fee that we're used to seeing them put down on players. So, you know, the better he does at Braga, the more they'll want him, but then the higher his, his price tag will be. And, and, you know, I think for the player, what what, what he can hope for is to have, have a great season and then maybe go back to, to Porto and get a chance there or maybe move on to somewhere else in Europe who could afford that, that 12 million euro fee. But Definitely great early signs. And I'm just going to give you some stats, Barney, from, from his from his performance in the game. Five clearances, three blocked shots, four interceptions, three out of six aerial duels won, five out of eight long ball passes completed, 
an 87% pass accuracy. He was a real rock uh, at centre-back. Yeah, and um, he improves them already. I think, yeah, Securia playing alongside on the left, who I think is naturally a left-back. It just If you know you've got Diego Leighton there, um, you know, being being the rock that he is, it just gives that a bit more stability to that back three uh, that Carvalho went with. I think and in another interesting player, Albert on loan, uh, this time from Benfica, Chiquinho, clearly brought in to be this uh, attacking midfielder's creative player. I know he, he came on as a sub in this game, didn't get the start, but it's interesting that you mentioned Braga in this game really did lack ideas and moments. And it's a question of combination for me, and I, I haven't got the answers, but they, they, Carlos Carvalho needs to work out pretty quickly because, um, yeah, they need to, they really need to start improving. Well, it was a difficult game, wasn't it? And I thought... You know, I I wasn't a big fan of the formation, Bonnie, because as far as I could see, and I, and I might be wrong here, I I saw it as a four at the back, and I thought he was playing Sakera at left back, uh, and brought in Fabiano at right back. Fabiano came in for Kuto, went to that back four. Luru Midel was playing out wide right, uh, and I think he struggled to influence the game as much as he usually does playing out out, out that wide. I saw him drifting in as much as he could to try and get on the ball, but just didn't have the touches that that he usually did. Really struggled. to to create clear-cut chances. I think in that first half, especially, I only really counted that one shot on target. And I think that was Andre, Andre Horsa from about 30 yards out. So, you know, really struggling for chances. Second half was obviously better. They did at least get into that Santa Clara box uh, and have a couple of chances. But the finishing was so poor, Barney. Really not good enough. Obviously, a decent header from Paolo Oliveira to get the goal. And getting goals from set pieces is vital for any team. But after the game, I was definitely left with that feeling that Braga are just struggling to get goals at the moment. It's a problem they had last year as well. And it's a problem that we thought they might have solved uh, with the signing of Mario Gonzalez. And as much as I don't want to give the guy a hard time, you have to say he, he's just not really had the impact that we expected him to have. No no goal so far, I believe. And, and even just watching the game, didn't really get on the ball that much. Didn't really get on the end of too many chances. It's really confusing because I'm thinking back to last season and seeing him play. You know, I, I remember saying, it, I felt like, a move to Braga would have been perfect for him. I think it was the right mm. level, the right step up. He, I thought he had everything to to succeed. And I don't know. I don't know what's going on. I think you'd like to think that the goals will come for him soon and Abel Ruiz. Well, they, they certainly need to because they don't really have many other options, do they? And, um, you know, it's, it's got to come good soon. And, and the, the longer it goes on, the more the pressure mounts. And, uh, you know, if that gets in his head, who knows what it'll be. Definitely, definitely. And, you know, when you look at that Braga team, I think, with Diego Lake coming in, he's definitely filled in a hole at centre-back that I thought they had, but that that issue up front still remains for me uh, with Mario Gonzalez not really firing. Let's just quickly touch on Santa Clara, Bonnie, because I thought they did okay. Um, Marita and Lincoln in midfield, I thought, was quite a tasty prospect. Uh, look forward to seeing that a few more times. But overall, not really an amazing performance, but very important for them to get that point and give themselves a big confidence boost. Obviously, it's been a poor start to the season domestically. Uh, we mentioned last week, of course, that maybe European football earlier in the season was was a bit of a distraction. Maybe now they can focus on getting their league form better. But, you know, I think all the credit really has to go to Lincoln for what was an excellent performance, uh, capped off with a fantastic 95th minute free kick to earn them that point. And he was the best player on the pitch for me, other than maybe Diego late for Braga, but definitely a real emerging star in that Santa Clara side. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the writing's been on the wall for me a long time. I, I, you've seen glimpses of this guy's real talent and technical ability. And um, I, I just hope this is, like you say, this is the season he kicks on. Yeah, I thought he was great in midfield. Um, I was excited to see Luis Felipe on loan from Sporting uh, get the star up top, um, big Brazilian striker, because that, that's certainly a position that they need to the strengthen in. But he didn't look as good. I think Kryzan came back in, uh, was came for him later in the game and looked a bit 
bit more better, a bit more settled. So, you know, who gets that starting spot up top will be interesting to see. But yeah, it was, I think they did deserve to get the equaliser, I think. I, I think they, they, they held Braga out long enough and uh, yeah, they certainly dominated towards the end of the game. Well, I thought Braga would hold on, but to be fair to Santa Clara, they had a good five minutes. It was mm. it was only five minutes at the end, but it was a very intense five minutes, I thought, where they was good enough. got back in the game and, and, and got the goal that they deserved. But let's just do one more game before we wrap up, Barney. Uh, and I want to talk about Tondela versus Family Cow. Uh, and it might be a bit too early in the season for this kind of thing, but it was a little bit of a relegation six-pointer. And I reckon this was one of the best games of the week. Uh, a game in which both teams came from a goal down to lead. Family Cow originally coming back from 1-0 down to lead 2-1. Fortendella launched their own comeback, albeit against 10 men, to win the game 3-2. So much to talk about here, Barney. And weirdly, I do want to start with the losing team uh, with Family Cow. And I do want to talk about Ivan Jaime because this guy looked absolutely phenomenal once again. He scored one of the goals of the week for me. A fantastic left foot finish. I believe his weaker foot curling from outside the box into the top left corner. He could have had one or two more as well. And he was at the heart of everything that that team created. Comfortably the best player on the pitch for me. Yeah, for sure. And I think Famicau going forward, the midfield, the attack, so exciting. Like uh, one of the most exciting teams to watch in the league. You mentioned Ivan Jamie, yeah. I'm surprised at how good he is at, in that number 10 role because he's he's so tiny. <laughs> like He's looking <laughs> tiny, but... He, but he's got the skill. He's got a technical ability. I mean, you mentioned that finish. I think it was even bobbling as well. It was such a good hit mm. um, to find the top corner. And even with 10 men, because um, having gone down to 10 men, they were still creating chances. They still like the better team. And it just shows you how, how good this attack and midfield are. But defence is just such a shambles, Albert. Mm. I mean, the first goal was poor from Rakelli, you know, and then only one player steps up to play offsides. Utter shambles. Penetra's foul, which was a red card, which was a horrible challenge, you know. And in the replays of that, you, you see Dalvers and the keeper had rushed out into no man's land as well. You know, what are you doing there? And then Tondez equalises straight from a corner. Another shambolic moment. I mean, the Dalvers and the keeper again fumbles for the winner too. It was just like... Oh, it's what can you do? It's an absolute disaster. And, and Ivor Vieira really needs to sort it out and fast. It's a fantastic point. And I totally agree with you. Defensively, they were not good enough. Although I will say they did come up against an absolute rocking goal in Pedro Chiguera for Tendela. It's interesting because I had a brief Twitter exchange with, with Zach Lowy and he reckoned that Family Cow should have won the game. I don't know whether I agree with that. I feel like Perhaps on balance, they were the better team. And as you say, they, they did control the game at times, even with uh, 10 men. But like you said, defensive errors uh, of their own making, you know, they, they can only really blame themselves for the goals that, that they conceded. The first and third goals, especially, I thought, uh, were completely avoidable. Oh, you mentioned um, Pedro Tigueri and goal for Tondea there. Like you said, the, the save and the, the first save he made on, on the highlights, if you if anyone mm. wants it, it, that is goal. Could that could be save of the season? Sorry, that it was unreal. It was like a little double save. It was brilliant. And what I don't understand is that he still seems to be bat- basting Babaka Nyase for a, the starting spot to be Tondeo's <laughs> number one. And I, <laughs> for anyone who's new to the show, Bonnie's got a bit of a vendetta against Babaka Nyase. <laughs> Look, Pedro Tigueri is currently averaging the most saves a game in the league with 4.7 a game. The stats are there. The performances are there. I feel like even last season when he was getting the odd appearance, he, he noticed the difference in him. And for such for a team who's got such a poor defence in Tondea, he, he, he was, he, I thought it was good. And, I, and you mentioned it 
I think he was the reason why Tondeo got you know deserved, deserved this win rather than Famalicao. A hundred percent. And I think you know Famalicao is in a difficult position at, at the moment, Barney. Rock bottom of the table. They've only managed three points. They've not won a game all season. It's a very interesting position because I think a lot of people, including myself, predicted good things from them uh, this season. And I think it's just interesting that we're not really watching the same side that ended last season so strongly because, you know, at the end of last season, they were just playing with this fearlessness, this ruthlessness and this togetherness. And I think it's those kind of psychological things more than anything that are different this season rather than any playing personnel, even though I agree with you. Uh, defensively, there were too many individual errors and, and, and the goalkeeper didn't have a good enough game. But it is a strange one because on paper, not much has changed, but it's a very different side to the, to the one that we saw at the end of last season. Well, look, we need to talk about Tondela Barney because they're the ones that won the game. And it was a vital win from them. Only the second game of the season so far that they've not lost. They won the first game, lost the next five and finally got another win uh, on the table. So they really, really needed this result. I think I made it clear, obviously, perhaps that they were a little bit lucky to get all three points. But nonetheless, some decent performances in the game. I thought John Murillo was decent. I thought Dadashov was decent. And of course, as we've already mentioned, the keeper was absolutely immense. Not an incredible performance by any means, but for me, uh, enough positives uh, to suggest that they, they shouldn't be in too much trouble this season. Yeah, and I think the of um, the guy on loan from Wolves, he looks like a, a pretty good striker, actually, doesn't he? He's got um, the few games I've seen, um, him and John Murillo seem to have got a nice little partnership building there. Um, they seem to link up well. And uh, But his, the goal in this game was just, you know, pure um, pure desire from him. He just yeah. Yeah. did everything he could to, to get the ball in the back of the net. So yeah, he would definitely be a player to keep an eye on. I mean, the, the, I've seen so many players play for Tondeo this season already. I think there's been so much rotation. There's lots of tinkering going on. I think once they get a bit more settled in that aspect, that 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 could benefit them. But um, yeah, it's going to be a tough season. But this would be a, this is a fantastic result, and I think you got we got to give a lot of credit for their character to sort of get themselves back and get the winner. All right, well that's it for this week's game roundup. Let's just have a quick look at the table, Barney, before we finish. Have a look at who's moving up. Who's moving down? And the only real big movers this week are Tondela and Morarens, both of whom got vital wins. Morarens getting their first win of the season. So that's Tondela up to 13th and Morarens up to 14th. Both of those teams were in the relegation zone uh, last season. Some vital wins for them. We've touched on Tondela, Barney. What about Morarens? Vital win for them, 2-1 over Aruka. Yeah, it was actually a good game. I, I quickly saw um, both teams were out for the win. They obviously thought there was a, you know, come the end of the season, this could be a really important game. Um, it was the two strikers out, but I just wanted to quickly say about um, Andre Silva, who I mentioned last week for Aruka, looking good. He got a goal. And then um, Andre Lewis from Morenz. Albert, it's his fourth goal of the season, and he's got a total XG of 0.9. You know, that's that's I've never, that's, that's that's ridiculous. And, you know, he signed from Chavez um, from Liga 2 last summer. Good, uh, 27 years old, struggled to make it in Brazil before moving to Chavez in 2018. Just, uh, yeah, uh, if, if you want another striker to keep an eye on, Andre Lewis from Morenz is my, is my tip. There you go. There's your man. Well, other than that, the table looking pretty similar to how it looked last year. The top three of Benfica, Porto and Sporting. Estoril in fourth and Braga in fifth. And at the bottom end of the table, Family Cow, obviously, as we mentioned, down to 18th. With B-Sad leaping over leapfrogging them into 17th after a decent 2-2 draw against Passos de Ferreira. Well, look, that brings us to the end of this week's podcast and just leaves us time to talk about our games of the week for the Premier League next weekend. And it's good news for any of our UK listeners as there's plenty more UK TV coverage uh, coming up this weekend. And it's a lovely little double header 
on Saturday as Free Sports are covering not one, but two games from the Big Three on the Saturday with Porto playing Paso de Ferreira at six and Sporting playing Aruca at 8.30. So plenty to enjoy on Saturday. But Barney, I'm going to ask you for your game of the week with no TV restrictions. If you just had to pick any game to recommend to the listeners for next week, which game are you going to go for? It's Sunday. It's six o'clock. It's not Benfica Portsmouth. It's Estoril Prime versus Gil Vicente. That's the one. It. That's the game of the week. It's going to be great. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I know Estoril Prime impressed everyone this season, but yeah, Gil Vicente has been the surprise package for me. I rate him highly. I think it could be um, could potentially be Estoril Prime's undoing. Um, Gil Vicente schooling them in a <laughs> <laughs> in a, what it takes to be a Premier League uh, <laughs> regular. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know I like both teams I think it's going to be a good game that's it <laughs> sounds like a good game and look if I had to pick one game I think the game for me has to be 8.30 after that Braga versus Bovis that's going to be a lovely lovely little game and we should just say when we recommend you these games we're trying to pick games where we think they're kind of evenly matched two teams worth watching uh, and not necessarily just the biggest teams in the league so yeah for me Braga versus Boavista at 8.30 and if you trust Barney's uh, insane choices you can go for Estoril versus Gil Vicente at 6 on the same day well look it's about all we've got time for for another week of the Long Ball Football Podcast I want to say a massive thank you to everyone for listening uh, if you've enjoyed the show you can leave us a little review on Apple Podcasts or send the podcast to a friend who you think might enjoy it if you want to contact us we're on Twitter at Football, and we're always very happy to get involved with any conversation or any message that you want to send us if you want to email us you can find us at longballfootball at gmail.com well look what it just leaves me to say thank you very much for listening and we'll see you next week yeah see you next week